Um, I want to make a clarification. One thing that John said. John said that I seem to hold to, do, uh, to a different position. Um, full disclosure, I didn't hold to that position when John and I were having that conversation. To be honest with you, I was on the journey of trying to figure it out too. I just had a lot of questions that I was pushing and I was hoping that our dialogue would help me in that particular place. And the reason why I say that is because I want to let this audience know, uh, if you are on one particular side or the other, you are welcome here. Now, the reason why I say that is because I know that I've had some conversations about this with some people, and they'll hear a little bit about what we talk about and what we share, and they'll immediately label this place, Spark, and then either myself um, as gay-affirming and all of the connotations that go with that. And I have really been hesitant to accept those kinds of labels. I want to let, I like, I don't want to be cheesy, I don't want to be cliche, I'm ultimately people-affirming. And if you're here and you hold to a conservative viewpoint, you're just as welcome here. Now, it might be uncomfortable for you. I get that. I understand that. But we're not going to kick you out. We're not going to say that you're wrong and bigoted and a homophobe just because you hold to that position. And the same thing with somebody on the other side. So, we're do like I said, we're trying to do something impossible here. And the conversation is for the point of listening to the stories that our brothers and our sisters have, not necessarily to convince you that you need to hold to those positions. There's several other stories that I feel like need to be platformed, and this was a term that I learned at GCN, which is uh, mixed orientation marriage. Um, people who hold to a view that um, homosexual relationships are prohibited, but they have same-sex attractions, but they enter into relationships with members of the opposite gender. And I have a couple people in my life who um, have that kind of relationship. And the reason why I just mention it here, again, is those people exist, and their stories are important to be told as well, and to listen and to hear why their journeys have validity and honor. And then there's just hundreds and hundreds of more. Alan Chambers was the director of Exodus International, the most well-known organization to, quote, rehabilitate um, homosexuals into heterosexual, heterosexuality and shut down an org his organization a couple years ago. It was huge news. Justin Lee is the uh, leader of GCN that we mentioned. Tony Campolo talks about stories uh, like um, when he was in high school and his particular change and journey. Matthew Vines has written a book and has an organization called The Reformation Project um, as one, uh, one of the most popular YouTube messages on this particular issue uh, affirming a pro-theology. Um, Allison Robinson was somebody who, who I got to uh, become aware of, the first openly transgender Baptist ordained minister. Um, really amazing story. Um, Vicki Beeching is the story that you heard John mention and her um, James Brownson's the author of the uh, book that John also mentioned, whose son came out to him that began him, his journey. And the reason why he's important is because he is still a Reformed theologian. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, Reformed just simply means that tradition that comes out of the 15 and 1600s um, that has a lot of the ways in which we read the Bible. We are inheritors of a lot of that. Gene Robinson is the first openly gay Episcopal priest, and you need to hear his story. Um, there was a lot of death threats and um, just the, the struggle. And at his ordination, he had to wear a bulletproof vest because of safety. And then, for those of you who are still in the midst of the struggle and trying to figure things out, uh, Rob Linda and Ryan Robertson 
have an organization entitled Just Because He Breathes, and they talk about the struggle of their son coming out and their son ultimately falling into depression and um, becoming addicted to drugs and then ultimately dying as a result of an overdose. And their journey of being um, I love you but to I love you just because you breathe. Now, I share all those stories and we share these stories because, again, if this is about people, I would love for all of us to listen to some of these stories and allow those stories to now shape our lenses for how we read. And every single one of us in this room also have a story. And your story is just as valid and just as important. And I want to make sure that I acknowledge and affirm the stories that you all bring to this conversation too. Again, this is just the beginning, which means that I'm looking forward to hearing more stories. Uh, the journey that you've had. We didn't even get to hear a little bit about Jeff and Alester's time in uh, InterVarsity and the journey that they've had there and others. Um, so I want to hear more of those stories, and I would love for you to be open to, to listening and hearing some more. Okay, that's story time. Some of what is uh, discussed is this problematic word, love. And I hear oftentimes in this debate, well, it is loving to tell the truth. It is loving to make sure that I save somebody from self-destruction. And I've been thinking and musing about this, and I was wondering, is there a definition of love that could help bring some clarity to what are the behaviors of somebody that is truly being loving in the midst of a difficult, complicated, uh, diverse, and challenging issue, topic, etc.? And I think I found one. Love is patient. It is kind. Doesn't envy. It doesn't boast, even in one's theology. It's not proud, even of one's convictions. It does not dishonor other people. Well, those people over there must be. It's not self-seeking. Well, I'm looking for authors and pastors and teachers that substantiate my view. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. John mentioned it. I guess it's not a choice. If that's true, I accept. It always, always protects, always trusts, always hopes and always perseveres. So let's be those kinds of people that protect our brothers and sisters, that trust that God has all of us in his hands, that hope for the very, very best, and that will persevere through this and not be settled. I wanted to say just a very quick note that based upon that ethic of truth, understanding, perseverance, hope, and wanting to make sure that we're being honest with ourselves and not being self-seeking, I've chosen the phrase sexual identity rather than the word homosexual. And the reason is because when you start digging into the literature, when you start listening to stories, when you start really facing reality, you start to recognize that the gender binaries by which we have used and uh, platformed our conversations, they really don't reflect reality. And gender and identity is much more complicated and much more intricate and mysterious than we may, many of us, actually want to admit. 
You know, one of the humorous things, I hope it's humorous, that when John and I were at GCN, on the first page, they had the phrase LGBTQ. And then as you go through the booklet, there were more letters added. And John mentioned to me, he's like, so how many more letters are there to this? They, they just keep going. And then there's the plus that is added. And there's two different ways in which I've seen the, these letters be talked about. The first way, which is a very deprecating way, is a very demeaning way. It's like, see, people are just looking for anything that they want. And again, it's very dismissive. It's almost as if, well, geez, God created, a oh, we don't even want to go there. It's that simple. But the other way of looking at this is to recognize, as Lester and Jeff were mentioning, maybe this world is much more complicated and mysterious. And maybe there are people in this world that don't fit into the categories that we want them to fit into. And if that's the case, then I will embrace you as my brother and my sister, or what other term seems to be appropriate, because you're human. And if every single person, according to Genesis, if Adam, Adam, has been created in God's image and his likeness, then every person on this planet reflects a little bit of that image uh, to me. And I learn a little bit more about who God is because of that. So I'd like to share just a few things in accordance with this love ethic. Things that followers of Jesus should just stop saying. Here's where I might get a little bit offensive. I go back to my talk before the talk. Not intended. And by the way, if I leave something out, I apologize. Love the sinner. Hate the sin. When you have conversations with people in the LGBTQ community, you recognize this is not a helpful phrase. In fact, it's very hurtful. The opposite of homosexuality is wholeness. I mentioned this phrase to somebody recently, and the look on their face was just horror. As if sexual identity or sexual expression or sexual attraction is unwhole. Or if you identify yourselves as heterosexual, Somehow, by becoming a Christian or becoming a Christ follower means that you're no longer heterosexual. The gay homosexual lifestyle. This is, again, a phrase that is used to depict a whole group of people in one lump sum that is not only inaccurate, it's demeaning. Uh, Peggy Campolo, Tony Campolo's wife, has uh, been known to say, you know, Madonna and I are both women, but we don't have the same female lifestyle. <laughs> and it is true. There is no such thing. It doesn't exist. Just like a heterosexual lifestyle doesn't exist. And we can give lots of different um, examples of that. It's a choice and you can change. I know this is something that will still be said, but it's my proposal that we stop saying this. These are not helpful phrases. Homosexuality is like every other sin. Again, as we talked about before, uh, the terms that we use need more nuance and more understanding. On the other side, all non-affirming people are homophobic. That is not true. I've had many conversations with people who are non-affirming, who hold to a traditional or conservative view, and they are not homophobic. So what is true for one side is also true for the other. And another thing that I would suggest we stop saying is, I love you, but which goes back to the Robinson story uh, of their son, Ryan. I love you, but you can change. I love you, but this is a phase. I love you, but you'll get over it. I love you, but. Love ends with a period.
here are some things that I think we should reconsider. The Bible clearly says, you know, John mentioned it in his testimony. I'll mention it again. There are some times when maybe it's not as clear as we once thought. And that's okay. Hermeneutics, interpretation, and context leads us to embrace a little bit of mystery and hopefully a little bit of study. The biblical definition of marriage. Um, this is not something that may, you may want to you may want to leverage. I was listening to a very predominant, well-known pastor who's on the speaking tour, was reading about the story of David. And in the passage, it says David and his seven wives, and he just flippantly said, just skip over that part, and went on to what he wanted to get to. Um, the biblical defini definition of marriage is a phrase that we should probably really reconsider using. And it's a slippery slope. And I don't have time to get into all the f philosophy behind why this phrase is not actually helpful. Um, but suffice it to say, the slippery slope is not a really solid argument for anything, actually. Things that followers of Jesus should start saying. I'm sorry. We begin by empathizing, recognizing pain and struggle. Can I hear your story? You know, when you pause for a moment and listen, the rates of homelessness, suicide, depression, and bullying in the LGBT community is exponentially greater than in, quote, the heterosexual community. And as followers of Jesus, I feel as if we have completely dismissed all of that pain, all of that struggle, all of that hurt. And if we're going to be about anything, aren't we about healing and community and wholeness and identity and letting everybody know that they are loved and accepted? And if there's people in this world that are hurting, marginalized, we want to be there for them. What's been your greatest struggle? Tell me about it. And I love you. We love you. Period. And then to the philosophical question. Tell me why you believe what you believe. Let me, help me understand where you're coming from. That's a great question. Rather than just hearing the argument and say, you're wrong, tell me a little bit why you say that. Tell me what's behind that. Tell me what you're thinking. And you are welcomed now, I want to point out that I put up the phrase followers of Jesus. I did not use the word Christian on purpose. And the reason for that is because I think there's even some discussion and debate that we could have over what Christians should say. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you want to live in his way, these are the things that I think help narrow down more specifically how we should act and behave in this world. Okay, things you should read right now. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of resources available. Uh, the two that John mentioned that were the affirming and non-affirming are down here at the bottom. Uh, each and every one of these has its own story um, and has its own bent. And there's books on the affirming side and there's books on the non-affirming side. And again, as John mentioned, I mean, reading the other side is really, really helpful. I just want to give you two. The first one, if you are in any particular position and this is your very first introduction and you really kind of have nowhere else to go or not quite sure what to do, 
pick up Justin Lee's Torn. This is a great starting place, and it's a great introduction. Accessible, well done, readable, not a lot of scholarly Greek and Hebrew and footnotes and ancient Greek manuscripts, just a nice presentation. And he will introduce you to the dilemma, his own personal story, the beginning of GCN, and I'm going to quote him at the very end of this. If you don't like to read and you have Netflix, I would encourage you to pick up For the Bible Tells Me So. It's on Netflix. It's free. You can watch Instant Play. And again, just an introduction, listening to some stories and help you along the way. The two books that uh, John mentioned are here at the bottom, and everything else begins to get progressively more scholarly. Um, these are like, for example, these books down here actually go into ancient manuscripts and try to f- discern and decide what were these terms like back there. Jack Rogers' book, Jesus, the Bible, and Homosexuality, um, was a really powerful read for me. He goes through um, the racism and the anti-miscegenation laws that existed in the early uh, 20s through 50s in America. And if you read the arguments that are being spoken about then by the Presbyterian Church against interracial marriage, and compare those to the arguments that are being made now regarding sexual identity, it should stop you in your tracks for a moment. There's a couple organizations. The Marin Foundation is one of them. Uh, Andrew Marin had three of his very best friends come out to him um, while he was in college. He a very conservative Christian, and he had to deal with the issue and then went on to a long journey. He's also the guy that started the I'm Sorry Project. The Gay Christian Network, uh, started by Justin Lee, was the thing that we uh, mentioned earlier, and they have a conference every year. The Reformation Project is the organization that was started by Matthew Vines out of his talk from YouTube, and then he also does conferences and has resources. Um, the, sev- several of the authors that we mentioned have been there. And then I want to just close. It's been a long night. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. I want to close with a couple quotes and just kind of sew it up as best as I can. Um, Alan Chambers, who's got a remarkable story, um, being pretty much the figurehead for reparative therapy. Reparative therapy is the idea that through prayer, uh, through Bible study, through reading, through Christian counseling, somebody can change from being same-sex attracted to being heterosexual. Um, His journey through Exodus International and the shutting down of that organization a couple years ago is, again, a story that we need to contend with, and we need to open our hearts and our minds to listening to what he has to say and the story that he has lived. He writes, grace is not a buffer to truth, grace is truth. And I hope that we extend to each other that same grace. I know that there's been things that I probably have said that have rubbed you wrong or something that you're still a little bit uncomfortable with. I hope that we can extend grace to one another and welcome each other even in the midst of the disagreement. Here's that quote from Justin Lee that I'd like to leave you with. Christians will not all agree on this issue anytime soon. Boy, is he right on that. But living together in loving Christian community is possible, even in the midst of that challenging disagreement. It's not easy, and we will all make mistakes, but it's what God calls us to. It is, I believe, even more than our doctrine. Catch that even more than our doctrine, the thing that most demonstrates our commitment to Christ. And I think that's a nice summary statement for what I mentioned at the very beginning. This, to me, honestly feels impossible. The rhetoric that I read, the websites and the YouTube videos that I've watched feel like if you don't agree with me, 
then you're on the outside. And I can't help but think, maybe this is possible. Maybe through learning, listening, thinking critically about hermeneutics, embracing one another's story, and asking the question, how can we love? We can actually be a church that embraces a variety of opinions, perspectives, ideas, ideologies, theologies, and not split, and not vilify the other side. And through that tension of being together, we can learn and grow and become better Christians. I love what John said. I'm a better Christian now because I don't know it all. I'm listening. I'm learning. I'm growing. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. You guys are amazing. Uh, I'll close in prayer. Let's continue the conversation, friends. Heavenly Father, thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for the LGBT people in our midst. Thank you for their brotherhood and their sisterhood. Thank you for what it is that they teach us and for how they humble us. Thank you for the heterosexual people in this room, for the life that they bring, for the stories that they tell. But thank you most of all for your spirit in this room. And may we all join our hearts and our minds together with what it is that you're doing and listen deeply and carefully. And may we love the way you love, extend grace the way you extend grace, to believe in the truth in the way that you believe in the truth. Be with us as we go from this place into further conversations. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In your name, amen.